Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. All right, we're going to look to the scripture this morning. We're going to look into a couple different passages, and we've all come here for a purpose. And uh, that purpose includes several things, and we know that first and uh, most of us want to make that connection to God that we desperately need. Uh, for others, you may simply be testing the waters to see if God's really there, if, if He can uh, provide meaning for your life. Uh, another reason is that we come together is so that we can have friendship and build community with others who follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's time for us to worship God and to collectively, as a body, that's why we're here, and to worship Him in spirit and in truth. We want to focus on Him. And fourth, we come so that we can hear a relevant message that will help us to live out our faith. We've all been called to live our faith out. And with that, I have a question for you. Now, you don't have to respond to me yet, but who is the gospel, who is the good news for? Who's it for? And before, before you really answer that with maybe what you've learned in Sunday school or maybe what you learned in a small group or, or even in services or even on your own study, uh, I want you to think about it just a little bit. And, and by the way, we're going to title this sermon this morning, Pouring Our Lives Into Others. Pouring Our Lives Into Others. I've been following Jesus for about 30 years, 3 months, and 16 days by the grace of God. And uh, by this time, I find, uh, by this time, back in June the 20th, 1988, I gave my life to the Lord while I knelt beside my bed. I wasn't even out of church and uh, gave my life to Christ. I had been fighting with Him over the sovereignty of my soul and my heart. I'd come to a place where I said, Jesus, I need You to be able to live a good life. I can't do it on my own. And it needs to be that way with us. My faith had switched allegiance. I'd quit trusting in my own self. And I had to trust in the Lord. I couldn't go by my own rules. I needed to trust in the Lord and follow Him. And I had to follow His direction in my life. And I'm sure that there are many in this room that have done the same thing I've done. Maybe, maybe you had more guts than I did. And for me, just doing it beside the bed because I grew up in church. Didn't want people to see me. Maybe you're more of an introvert like me. That's kind of the way I am. I, so I didn't, you know. And so for us, we have to be able to step out of our little comfort zone. And of course, I didn't leave it there by the bedside. At one point, I realized that the scripture told me that I was going to have to confess him before others. And I did so. So throughout the years, uh, his leading has brought me to some great places and even some tough places because that's the way life is, right, at times. And it's given me the opportunity to meet people from many walks of life and you've likely met them yourself and 
people like those who are secular without faith in anything but themselves or maybe only in science and others I've met who were focused on faith that was not in Christ nor in the God of creation. And then there have been those who are simply attenders of church and of these people, God's given me the opportunity to lead some of them to faith in Christ and unlike me, many of them uh, were willing to say that prayer of faith in the church building, others in a small group. Finally, there have been countless people who are faithful followers of Jesus Christ that I've been privileged to meet, and I'm always amazed at how we can walk out our faith as followers of Jesus. And each of us, each of us, countless followers of Jesus, follow Him, not unlike the disciples of Jesus. We aren't much different than them. Maybe we have more iPads and iPhones and I this or I that. I don't know. Uh, but we're not much different than those guys. Some of their lives, uh, we've met, the people I've met over the years, some of their lives were nice and posh. They had a great, uh, great life and others had meager existence and they came to faith and uh, at least a few that I've met gave up everything they had, business and all, because of their faith and not by their own choice. I, I remember one guy that I met over my time, and I uh, remember meeting him. He had a degree in nuclear science. He was one intelligent dude. And uh, this guy was interesting because... Right after he got out of college and he had, a, he had a job lined up, they're like, we want you to come. I don't know, he's maybe in some form of nuclear engineering for, uh, for nuclear subs on the East Coast. And they, they wanted him to come. It was set up and ready for him once he graduated. And uh, this career would have set this guy up for life. He would have been in good, a good position for the rest of his life. But he opted not to accept the job. And uh, that was his choice. Uh, the question is why? Well, so he could share the good news of Christ to others overseas. And uh, now, why would somebody take a position like that, an opportunity, and flush it down the drain? Maybe because his priorities were set different than some. And he realized what, how, how important it was to be able to share his faith. Now back to the question I asked you before here. Some of you, you've already forgot about the question, but, uh, but the question is, is, who is the gospel or the good news for? Who is it for? And Jesus said it this way over in Matthew chapter 11. Verse 28 to 30, he said this, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you look at what Jesus said here, he said all. He said all. He didn't say some. He didn't say this person or that person. 
uh, and that's, that's everyone who is weary and burdened. And you say, well, who is loaded down and heavy and burdened? Well, as unpopular as it is today in the world that we live, who is heavy and tired and loaded down is loaded down from sin, our own sin, the sin of our family, the sin of our neighbors, the sin of our community, and that's really the negative side of it. Uh, but that's, that's part of it, and that's part of the good news in this sense. The good news is that you will find rest for your souls. So who is the good news for? Well, it's for anybody who's willing to humble themselves to the point where they say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you in my life. I need you to carry my sin. You may ask, well, what does that have to do with, uh, with pouring our lives into others? Well, really, it has everything to do because, because we need to start with the who. Now, I don't, I don't mean the musicians. I don't, I don't mean, some of you will get that. I don't, mean, I don't mean those guys. We need to start out with the who. We need to see who needs the good news and why. Because some think it's, think it's only them. Not many, but sometimes, maybe it's only in our actions and in in the way we live, but sometimes people think it's only them. They think that receiving God's mercy is only for them and simply hope others somehow get it. But you're called, and I am called, to pour our lives into others, making a disciple who in turn makes disciples of others around us. If you have found that rest in Christ, then you can share that rest that you have. And you may say, well, I don't have that much rest, Pastor. I just don't have all that much. But for what hope and what rest you have received from Him, you can share with others around you because likely you've received even more than you even recognize. Remember, you're not perfect yet. None of us are perfect yet, we're just forgiven and God is still working on all of us because we are works in progress. And uh, every day we get up in the morning, we know that we're works in progress, right? When we look in the mirror, we don't even want to look in the mirror, but when we do, we know we're works in progress, right? And when we, when we interact with others, we recognize that. I kind of have a feeling that that's the way it was when Jesus, after the resurrection, comes to the disciples and he talks to them. And you, you, I get this feeling that Peter, James, and John and the rest of the, of the eleven weren't perfect when Jesus met them. And even when, though they weren't perfect, he met them and he gave them a great commission that we have still today. They, many of these guys had ran away from him. They gave up on their own faith. They, they had turned the page. They, some of them went back fishing. They went back to their jobs. And, and as weak as an imperfect that these guys were, Jesus still, still gave them a great command. And indirectly, He gave that command to us as well. Let's look at it in, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. It says this, it says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
So, so Jesus left the disciples this command, but he didn't leave them just with the command. He also, with it, gave them a promise. It was a full sandwich. He gave them the whole deal. The command was to make disciples of everybody, all nations, and it included baptism, it included teaching, and, and it ends up with Jesus' promise. I'll be with you forever to the end. It's a command with a promise. Those imperfect disciples have now become imperfect apostles called to pour themselves into others. We too are called to pour ourselves into others. You say, well, pastor, look at me. Do you realize who I am? I, I can't pour. Yeah, everybody can pour themselves into others to some level. So let's, let's focus on the power of one this morning for just a moment. So before we check this out, some, some tend to focus only on the public preaching of the gospel in a crowd, and that was one of the ways that the good news of Jesus went out, but it wasn't the only way it went out. And if you look over in Acts chapter 1 and 2, uh, you, you find that there was a wonderful and powerful impact of God's Holy Spirit on the church as, as the church was born at, at, the, at the Pentecost. Uh, that, that upper room, the 120 uh, 20 are there. And then Peter, right after that, he starts preaching to everybody there in Jerusalem that could hear him. And, and he's doing an impromptu sermon. He gets to, to speak to everybody. And once he preaches, 3,000 people come to faith in Christ. That's amazing. And we find other occasions where people like Philip the deacon, you know, diakonos, the deacon, it just means table waiter. So here, this of Philip himself, the table waiter, he goes out and he starts sharing the message of Christ. We find this in Acts chapter 8, and in Acts chapter 8, the church had faced persecution in Jerusalem, and, and many who uh, were part of the 12, the, the 12 apostles, they stuck around. Those disciples, they stayed around in Jerusalem a little bit. And, and uh, then everybody else started leaving because of the persecution. And there we find in verse 4 that it says these words. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Doesn't mean it was only preaching in the crowd. Doesn't mean it's only just preaching to a group of people. And right after Philip had shared the good news to crowds in Samaria, he started, he started walking down a desert road. And it was on that road that he met a guy from Africa. He met a guy, the Ethiopian eunuch. He was a treasurer for the Ethiopian queen for her administration. And, and Philip, the deacon, you know, the table waiter guy, here he is. He's been moved from from waiting tables there in Jerusalem, trying to help with all the issues they had between the Hellenistic Jews, the Greek Jews, and the Hebraic Jews. Those were uh, the Hebrew in background. And so he's trying to work through that. And now he's out on the highway, on a dirt road, I guess. And, uh, and he meets the Ethiopian uh, queen's uh, treasurer. He gets to share faith with this man as he has opened the book of Isaiah. The eunuch comes to faith in Christ. And it's interesting what happens. Philip, this deacon, this, this diakonos, this, this table waiter gets to baptize him on the side of the road. I don't know, it may have been a creek or a small pond. I don't know, it was beside the road. But it, it wasn't a crowded auditorium. It wasn't a building 
uh, it was a chariot. Now, what I'm going to say, what a chariot, if you relate it to today, what's that probably? It's probably a four-wheel drive truck or a big Suburban. And, you know, maybe, you know, we've had some dignitaries here in recent days. I won't name names. But anyhow, they go around in these big vehicles, probably bombing, bulletproof, and all those kind of things. I can just imagine this guy's chariot, something like that. And he's going down the road, and here's Philip, and he hears him, and so he starts to talk to him, and then he shares the gospel with him. Then you have others, uh, like uh, when Jesus came upon a lady at a well in Samaria, she put her faith in Jesus and, and brought others to him, and then you find Jesus sending disciples out to share the good news of the kingdom uh, and this wasn't, uh, this wasn't the 12 that we know in the Gospels, as we know in Luke chapter 10, verse 1, it says this, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. So he sent these guys out. He had all kinds of groups that were serving, and there was a lot more individuals involved in personal ministry outside of Jesus' more public ministry when he spoke to the crowds. But don't forget the woman named Lydia. We've talked about her recently. She's been hanging out at the city gate with some other women, and uh, maybe it was ladies' night out. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's what it was, or maybe that she, since she sold purple cloth, she may have been doing business at the gate. That's probably what was taking place. And Paul and Silas just went through the gate to pray at the river. They were trying to get out of there and to get some time alone because they had been with a bunch of people, and now they're trying to just go there and pray. But, but they ended up talking to Lydia and some others at the gate. It wasn't a huge crowd. Wasn't a lot of people, at least not from what we understand from Scripture. It was simply people sharing their faith in the marketplace and helping others. God bless you. And one person makes a difference. One person makes a difference. There is power in one. And pouring our lives into others doesn't take five or ten people from a, to form a life group. It could just be a you pouring your life into others only takes two or three people when everyone grows in their faith i remember one time i was uh at an apartment down in uh, tulsa oklahoma when i was going through school and, and uh i remember that um, i had a neighbor over there and i just had this sense that i needed to do something for him he was a single parent and and so, I'm not the cook, and Jody would say that. Lord, help us. Uh, but one, one thing, help anybody that would eat my cooking, right? But anyway, he's a single dad, and, and he needs some help. So, I just felt like I needed to make something. And so, I, I, I made something for him. My wife is laughing up here. <laughs> but I went over it with salmon patties. Yeah, okay. <laughs> And I took him over to him, and he was very appreciative. And that just opened a door for him. It opened a door for me to minister to that guy and share the love of Christ to him. Sometimes those small things that we could do will open doors that have, may never be able to be cracked open in any other way. You don't know what the Lord will use to work through your life.
When I was young in my faith, there were different people in my life that had a good impact on me. And, uh, and so how I would live my faith out, uh, looking to the Lord. And, and one of those men was named Steve. He was, he was another pastor, Steve. <laughs> Not our senior pastor, but he was another pastor, Steve. He was a funny guy, and, and, and uh, I helped him, and he helped me in different things. Uh, and we did different things together. Some were spiritual, and plenty of them weren't spiritual, at least not on the surface. See, we don't live our lives on a spiritual high all the time. Some people kind of misunderstand that. We don't live in the power of a transformative worship service every day. But like you, at, the, at that time in my life, I had a day job. Aside from pastoring, and uh, not that uh, pastoring is not a day job, there's more to it than you realize. Uh, but some, some people that I worked with at that point, they were unethical and they wanted you to be like them because it made them feel better. <laughs> and others I worked with, uh, they, they uh, hoped that good would happen in your life, they just didn't care how it happened, you know, just different things. And others, uh, you know, all, you meet all kinds of different people out there. We live out our life in the daily mundane, and it's important that we let Christ and His good news impact our lives there in the mundane. Jesus said it this way, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus, or Jesus, Steve, Pastor Steve, the other Pastor Steve, he walked with me, he taught me intently at times. It was not structured, it was no formal discipleship, if you would call it that. At other times, it just seemed like osmosis. Discipleship is practical. The power of one can be a great effect on your life, and it can also have a great effect on others as well. There's another principle at work that we need to look at in pouring our lives into others, and it's this, the power of multiplication. As we serve others, it, it, this is the principle that we find over here in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, we're going to look at this uh, principle that the Apostle Paul brings up to Timothy. And you have to realize that Paul knew what discipleship was even before he came to faith in Christ. Remember, he was Saul. That's who he was. And and we know that he had been trained under one of the leading rabbis of that time, which was Gamaliel. He knew the power of growing by spending time with him. And now we're hearing from a transformed Paul, the Apostle Paul, who has gained from the most powerful and world-renowned rabbis of all, and his name is Jesus of Nazareth. Sure that Paul received a good idea of what it was to set under the ministry of Jesus from Peter and James and the others and probably even Barnabas who stuck his neck out for him early on. And Jesus had 12 of his own disciples, plus he had the 70 and you know the plus the multitudes. But but Jesus simply started out with two, with two brothers, didn't he? That's right, he started out with two brothers, Peter and Andrew, and we'll look at this passage here in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, and it says this, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So Paul is guiding Timothy to make sure that he's not just going to broadcast the seed of the gospel, but that he would directly plant it or directly sow it in certain people's lives. Now, you know there's a difference between broadcasting seed to the ground with a broadcast seeder and planting uh, as in a drill. I'll, okay, let's talk about it. Let's go to farming for just a minute. Some of you I know have had to, we've had a drought this year, and so we're thankful for the rains, but because of that, a lot of our grass has died, right? We have these patches out there that have died, and so you have to reseed it. So what do you do? There's a couple ways you can do it. You can go and get that little guy that you fill, up, fill the grass seed in and then crank it and it has that little wheel and throws it out or the big push one. Or if you're in big business, you could like on a farm, they could put one of those broadcasters on the back of a tractor and you can drive the tractor and broadcast it. What does it do? It just takes that seed that you're planting and it throws it all over the top of the ground. And you hope it takes, right? So, but because... You, because you just throw it on the ground, you could try to rake it in, or if you have a tractor, you may run a harrow or something over to try to get it to work yet. But if not, what happens is you have a lot of seed on the ground. Some of it will take, some of it won't. Birds will come by, squirrels will come by, other things will come by to take that seed. Or you could be more specific and you can pull out your drill. Now, I know they have some of these, they'll still do it. I think even out here over in this drain area, they ran one of those professional drills across where the drill, what it does, it has a little wheel, a little cutting wheel, a disc on the front of it, and it makes a path, and it cuts that right through the dirt, and right behind it, it drops the seed. Drop, 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 drop. And then it closes the furrow. And then the seed is protected a certain distance underneath the surface of the ground, and there it can grow, and the birds and the squirrels and uh, the mice and whatever, they, can stay, they, they don't get it as easy, right? It's protected. So that's your lesson for farming today. <laughs> so we can either broadcast the seed or we can sow, plant the seed directly. Paul is encouraging Timothy to pass down the good news of Christ and how to live out one's faith to people he knows will be willing to share it with others. And in this case, Paul is not saying to broadcast the message. It doesn't mean that you don't broadcast the message. We still do it. Both types of planting or sowing are effective. Both types are, are useful in certain applications. But in this case, Paul is not saying to do that. He's saying to plant or to sow that, that message in specific people's lives. Both broadcasting and planting are important. When it comes to being a disciple, we need to be willing to be people who will plant, who will sow, who will pull out the drill, so to speak, and, and pull it behind the tractor and make sure it gets in the ground and covered. Those are important for us. Look at what he says there in verse 2. He says, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Kind of like Paul is saying, the things you've heard me preach, make sure that you bring them up for other people who are reliable and able to pass it on. 
Now, there are a couple things here we need to consider. And one, they, need, they needed those who are able teachers who will disciple others, but it doesn't really stop here. Some would say, well, pastor, I'm not a teacher. That counts me out. I'm off the hook. Well, that's just not quite accurate. Every one of us, because we are a disciple, we should look for others that we can have an impact on and help and disciple. Secondly, all of us are called to be disciples, which means we all have those in our lives that we can interact with. And that brings up another question. It brings up another thought for us. You can disciple your family, but don't leave out others. You can disciple your family, but don't leave out others. We all have the responsibility to disciple our family members, to train them up, uh, train up our children in the way they should go. And that's, that's a given for us as followers of Jesus. But, but American followers of Christ usually have two issues, two challenges that we face. And they either disciple families and won't let others in, or they disciple others and forget their families. And so we have to balance that out somehow in our lives so that we can be able to serve not only our families but others, and not only others but also our families. You need to be a person who is willingly, willingly teaches and trains your own kid and family members. And that's a, that's a great work in itself, isn't it? There is no question about it, but don't stop there. Make sure that you recognize that you have a responsibility to encourage and build up others outside of your family. Which brings up some, uh, some other reasons we don't always do that as a, as a body. You know, those roadblocks that get in our way. Roadblocks happen all the time, don't they? Some of you are probably trying to pass down the street here recently and were blocked in the road, right? And you maybe had to move over or whatever. We get those all the time. But I'd say one of the biggest roadblocks for us when it comes to discipleship and building that relationship is convenience. Convenience is one of those. Life is always busy, right? It seems like I talk to a lot of people, and I even say it myself, we're, we're busy. We're a busy, a busy bunch of bees or something. I don't know what it is. Why do they call bees busy? I don't know. Oh, it's a hive, right? Anyhow, life is busy. There will always be some things in our lives that are left undone. That's just normal. Life's workload keeps us from finishing every little thing on our plate. Now, if you say, well, that's not me, I always have extra time, call me up. I've got some things on my desk. <laughs> I'll be glad to talk to you. But there must be some things that hold high priority as we follow Christ. And of course, one of those is worship and community. And we're working on that one now as we come together and worship the Lord. As we worship Him, that, that's part of it. But that needs to be high on our list. But another one is discipleship, learning and growing in our faith and, and helping others to learn and grow in their faith. It may be inconvenient at times. And it is inconvenient at times, but it has great importance, not only for you, but also for those that you disciple. Okay, I'm not a pastor. Well, do you have anyone that you interact with about the good news among your family, maybe your neighbors or colleagues or friends? Who do you pour your life into? Who do you pour your life into? I want you to think about that for a little bit. Maybe you're going to write that down at some point. Maybe, you, maybe not yet, but who do you pour your life into? 
You say, I'm not the preacher. I'm not the teacher. I'm not the pastor. I'm not a Sunday school teacher. I, I, I'm not a life group leader. Has no bearing on the question. If you're a follower of Jesus, you need to recognize others that you may even pour your life into that you didn't realize you were doing that. Maybe you didn't notice it. Likely you have some person around you that you have a little connection with or some influence on. And you probably are pouring your life into them a little bit, maybe. Go ahead and do something with me. Let's do something this morning. Think through this. You may, you may write these down if it's going to help you to remember, but uh, name two friends. Not out loud, but name, name two friends that you have. And name those two. You may write them down or take a mental note. And then name two friends that each one of those people have that are not friends of yours. Name those friends, and uh, then you may be able to uh, name two friends of each one of those. You know, as you do that, you look at, if you add up all those people, that's about 14 people. But maybe you just have uh, two of those people uh, that you have a connection with, and you say, yeah, but I really can't, in fact, I can't preach to the masses, or I can't do this, but is there one person around you that maybe you can share hope with? Some of those people that you may list may be followers of Jesus. Some may not be. Some may attend church. Some may not. Some may only be an acquaintance with you. But uh, remember the principle of the power of multiplication that now we have, and now we've considered those around us, we can ask ourselves this question again. Who do we pour ourselves into? Who do I pour myself into? Paul said to Timothy, and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people. We need to pass on what's been given to us. And sure, along the way, we'll interact with people, we'll take a chance, and we'll find somebody that's not reliable, and we'll, we'll uh, invest in their life, and things may seem not to pan out, but, but that's okay. Because we want to invest in people. Maybe you'll plant something in that individual that they will never forget. They may seem like they haven't gained anything on the outside, but maybe down the road a little bit, they'll be able to look back and say, something happened here in my life at that point. Each and every one of us have the opportunity to be able to engage people and to see them grow in faith. We need to pass on what has been given to us. We've all received something. We've all received something from Christ. As we wrap this up this morning, I want you to keep your focus on that. And, and again, remember what Jesus said in His command. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Maybe it's just a little bit that you share. Maybe it's a lot. Just imagine if 50 people started to disciple two people. In eight years, you'd have a 218,000 people that had been discipled. I know you've heard those kind of things around before if you've been in the church, but if, if 100 people reached another 100 people, that's 200. If 200 reached 200 more, that's 400 people. 
doesn't take a lot to reach a lot of people, but it just takes each and every one of us to be able to reach out and reach one person. So we have to be able to reach one. Don't look at the whole of the Great Commission. I think sometimes what happens is we all get worried. <laughs> we look at what Jesus said and we think, oh no, I've got to do all that. No, who said you have to do all that? We just have to reach one person. Maybe one person, maybe two people that God will put in our lives. And you say, well, yeah, but it can't. I don't know all the, all the theological stuff that the pastors do on staff here and stuff. Well, maybe you don't. If you remember what that other pastor Steve said, did for me, he interacted with, with me on a very simple basis. Yeah, he may have taught me some things at times, but more than not, he did not sit down and say, okay, Mike, this is our formal discipleship plan that we're going to walk through. He didn't do that. He didn't do that at all. He just connected with me. And in the process, and some of that was osmosis, as I said, I picked up some things. And some of the people that are in your life, you know that you can do that with. You know that you can have an impact in their life that way. God's given you an opportunity. God has given you a platform. Do you realize you have a platform? You say, I'm not a pastor. You have a platform. It may be at your job, it may be at your house, it may be at a place you volunteer, it may be in the community, it may be at a soup kitchen, it could be in so many different places that you have a platform. Allow God to help you to figure out how to use that. Maybe that you need to change your focus. Consider what you can do. Maybe you need to just take one person from church and one person outside of church for a year's time and engage them and to work at discipleship. That may just be reading the Bible once in a while. It may not be every time together. You may talk about other things and engage and how it relates to you personally. There's just different things that you can do. Maybe you can hang out making quilts. That's a novel idea, right? Maybe you could start a photography group or something. There's so many little things that we could do as we engage and we impact other people for Christ. You say, but what does that have to do with Christ if I use these other things to engage people? People are people, friend. We need to engage one another at some level. And as we do, let's share our faith. Would you stand with me this morning? Ask yourself this question. Who can I pour my life into this year? Who can I pour my life into? And what does it look to be like? What does it look like to be a disciple? Well, it's simply pouring your life into others. Much like Jesus poured his life into his disciples, much like the other pastor Steve poured his life into me. At this time, if our prayer teams would come, I want to give you an opportunity to pray. Maybe you would ask God to work in your life. Maybe you need a healing. Maybe you need something else that you would like God to do. Or maybe you want to thank God for something. But at this point, what we want to do is look at Him and say, God, here I am. I'm willing for you to work in my life, but not just in my life, but work through my life. And that you 
you can impact other people around them. Let's pray. Father, we need you. We need your presence. We need your power. We need your strength. And Father, I pray this morning that you would help us as we focus ourselves on you. That you would work through us and help us to be able to recognize those people, that one person or that two, those two people that you have put in my life that you want me to engage with in a spiritual sense. It may not always be that way, but Lord, help me to find those people and help me to recognize those that you put inside.